23rd of August 2019, Ox, Lodi's bassist of 14 years, left the band. While his final performance at Reload Festival in Sullingen, Germany was announced before his departure, his decision came as a surprise to both Mr. Lodi and Eamon, but not for Mana and Hella in hindsight. But of course, with the exit of the Hellbull, the arrival of the Reptrol would be around the corner. Join me as we delve into the final documentary-style episode of Monsters of Rock as we discuss Collection. You're listening to Season 3 of Monsters of Rock, The Lordy's Story. I'm your host, Matthew Kessie, and this is Episode 3, Collection. Between the years of 2012 and 2019, Lordy's lineup was unchanged. This period would be, and up to this point is, the longest lasting lineup in Lordy's history. And when you look at the musical direction of the group, it was certainly a diverse seven years. So when Ox decided to leave the band, it came as quite a shock to Eamon and Mr. Lordy. To me, and I think for Mr. Lordy, it was like, huh? But then, for Hella and Mana, it wasn't a surprise. Okay. And for some crew members, it wasn't a surprise. So, you do the math. Okay. <laughs> so, maybe... Maybe me and Tommy are two blue-eyed guys, or however you want to call yeah. us. And I had really, really good time, you know, with Ox so many years. And yeah, sometimes he was, he had his bad moods and whatever, but who doesn't? Yeah. So uh, I never, never saw that coming. It was right behind the corner. I never seen that. It was like, really? What? But I remember Hella and Mana was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was expected, like, uh, you know, and like, what, 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 so, okay. yeah, so I don't know what to say, but yeah, I, it was a surprise for me, 
for me personally it was a big fucking surprise i did not see that coming i had no fucking idea that was that came out of the blue sky to me that that's i didn't see it you know yeah i mean i mean i i, I just didn't see the see the signs no not at all right not at all okay. i uh mm, i was not I was not prepared for that. I, but then again, I'm never prepared for anything if somebody's about to leave, unless it's something that I want them to. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. want it to happen. But if, if somebody is leaving from their own will and they're not talking about it, let's say like, for example, uh, our Lena back in the days, I mean, I mean, she was talking about it, so you knew that something might going to happen. Oh, same thing with Kalma back mm, in the day. Yeah. You know, so people who are like, 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 um, gonna leave. I mean I mean they are, they start talking about but but people are different personal they have different personalities and they they deal with these uh, plans in different ways some people talk about it openly and some people keep it in you know keep it in mm. like like with Kira for example I, I told you the story I mean yeah. he didn't say anything and he did he didn't want to leave the band that's the thing that's the main thing here uh, but but I had to let yeah. him go because I mean, yeah. Well, and and where's where's uh, where's like a well, let's say Ox goes. I mean, I mean, he wanted to leave the band, but I had no clue. I had no idea. Mm. Even though I'm not sure if Eamon told you already, but I, uh, but, but this is something that that I know that Eamon told me that some of the crew guys told him uh, that that they were like whoa that's that's uh, that that was a long time coming that they that the crew guys knew this already they have seen it already before they they saw something in his behavior or whatever that they knew already that that, that they were surprised that summer was there for so long yeah. and and that was surprising to me and to Eamon. it was like oh really uh-huh. okay Hella and Mana's perspective, though, on this is entirely different to Mr. Lodi and Eamon's. On reflection, both of them seen Ox's departure coming for quite a while. Kind of a, how you always say in a relationship that grew apart or something, yeah. something like yeah. that. So it, there, it was really like without any big drama or anything like that. Like It's just natural. That, yeah, and, yeah, and like... Like we saw it coming, so it didn't Shock you. come to as a surprise then yeah. to anyone when when he announced that he's gonna leave, and he was fair enough to tell it to everyone um, like a good amount of time in advance. So we got to prepare for like we had a lot of time to adjust with the idea before going to the studio with the next album, and Enough. we still keep in touch. Basically, I had no idea until he called or announced that he's currently. Right. So that pretty much came out of the blue, the whole thing. Okay. But of course, there there were some signs, like on tour, it did clearly, clearly say that he wasn't in a happy place. Okay. You know? So maybe now I can see some signs yeah. So he wasn't enjoying it as much as he had. Following Ox's departure, he went on to record his own solo album under his real name, Samir El Nahal, with his path then 
leading in a new direction. A vacancy would become available in Lordi. And the band weren't slow in finding a bassist for the 10th Lordi album. Uh, we started to search for bass players immediately when we got the word, of course. Yeah. I think when we had the audition with TC, it was like, it was made like one month after Ox he's going to leave. So it wasn't that long. Yeah. It was pretty much the same. Well, once again, same thing with Otis, you know, when he passed away, within 24 hours, I was already on the search, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, mm, he was the, he was the first guy that came to my mind. Uh, and, uh, I knew that there are some, um, we had some mutual friends, yeah. and, and especially Mana knew some of his friends. So it was easy. I mean, I mean, I just well, easy, easy. Yeah. So I was just like, like, like. Well, get me his number, and I got his number, and I called him. Uh, there were a few other names that we were thinking as a plan B right. but not even sure did we even call them at least I didn't you know right. uh, so yeah I mean he was our first choice and he said yes but did I tell you how did I already tell you how it actually went down no no didn't. okay yeah. well <clears throat> I called him yeah. he said yeah cool thank you that's awesome alright and uh, then, then we well, you know, there's this one thing that we still need to do, which is which, which means that, you know, we have to go to our rehearsal loft and play a little. Of course, I mean, we knew how he plays, mm. but there were still some things that, you know, we re we really needed to find out if the, if we had the chemistry between the five of us while while we're playing, you know, because yeah. it doesn't matter if it, you could be the world's best fucking player but if you don't have the chemistry with the others it's it just doesn't work you know yeah. it just doesn't feel right or sound right you know so he came to the rehearsal of there were a few songs that we played you know just talking bullshit everything was you know everybody was in a, in a good mood and everything was fun and everything was like all right everything was very positive and i said yeah well all right cool well let's see it, it looks good yes all right bye bye everybody went back home and <laughs> <laughs> and here's again here's again another example of me not being a very informative guy right. so i got back immediately when i got back home i got back on on on, on continuing recording the demos for collection yeah. so uh and he went home and everybody <laughs> went to their homes and then another day goes by and another day goes turns into a week and then for a month and you know and then i get this get every once in a while there's mana who's calling me and asking that should we should have you talked to easy at all i mean does he know that he's in the band i was like yeah, I'm sure he knows. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm busy now with the with the demos. You know, I have a deadline here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just thinking that you know, is he aware? He's like, yeah. But I mean, come on, he was there with us, so I think it, you know, it, it was clear. 
And then I guess it was like one and a half, one and a half months later when he calls me very shyly, like, hi. Mm. So I just ask you that. Have you made the decision? Am I in the band? I'm like, what? Sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you're in the band. What, what the fuck? Yeah, because I guess you said you will call me, but you never did. Oh, sorry, dude. Yes, you are in the band. You have been in the band since we were at the rehearsal last. <laughs> but I, sorry, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, yes, yes, you are and already have been in the band for fucking six weeks. Yeah. And he was like, okay, thank you. I've been like like losing sleep over this. Like, well, sorry, welcome to the band. That's how I roll. You know, it's like, like if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if in doubt, please call me and ask. Heesey's arrival into the band would be the final piece of the puzzle for what would be a remarkable project in collection. But before we move on to that, we need to look at Heesey's own musical background. And just as a little fact for you all, this was Heesey's first ever interview. How did you get into music? Can you hear, can you remember the first song or the first band that you got into? it was I think it was Kiss right, okay. <laughs> surprise yeah uh, I, I, I was uh, uh, I was in the uh, take care you know five or six years old right. little guy and, and we play Kiss there right. with my friends okay. yeah 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 uh, running uh, in, out, out there and, and, and jump like a crazy you know rock stars jumps and uh, and uh, we have some sticks uh, in our hands just like bass and guitar and that's kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's that's uh, that's my earliest okay and uh, were kiss yeah, the inspiration for you then to want to play music yeah 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 keys and and of course because i'm a bass player there's uh, lots of cool bass players in this world like uh, Cliff Burton mm. he's so cool because I play bass I, I, I like that r- rhythm and that kind of stuff uh, there's a funk funk bass players and you know you know Stanley Clark and Jaco Pastorius and uh, so many so many so many yeah. good bass players and when you got into the bass, can you remember how old you were when you started to pick it up and to play? Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I think I was uh, twelve right. or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. And what was the re- why the bass and not another instrument? What was it that drew you towards that instrument? Uh, actually, actually, there's a there's a group of young guys. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, I was one of those guys, and we decided to make band, and 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 start the band, and uh, <laughs> and the bass was left, and I said I, I maybe I, I should take that bass <laughs> because yeah, thank God. When you before you joined Lordy, then were you in many bands before <clears throat> that? It's, yeah, so many bands, and and still I have, uh, I think I have uh, five five bands currently going at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Nice. But 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 they, but they are not that active, you know. As Lordi would be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with of course, of course, Lordi's first number one band. Yeah, right now. He see after being contacted by Mr. Lordi and completing his tryout. Obviously went through an arduous wait then to find out if he was in the band. And from his side of things, it was a long month and a bit. When I spoke to Mr. Lordy and Mana, they both said that you did the tryout and then you didn't hear for a long time. And you were wondering yeah. whether, am I in the band? Am I not in the band? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but that, that, that one month is yeah. quite long time <laughs> to hear nothing. <laughs> and and, and, uh, and then, then I put uh, some message to Mana that, 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 that what, what, what about was it was it good or so bad or what what was it when he eventually joined the band he actually had to change his playing style he previously picked the bass with his fingers but now needed to change to using a plectrum which he says was down to the sound that mr lordy was looking for yeah it's it's uh, it's 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 a you know a concept uh, uh mr lordy wants to that big sound okay to this 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 bass or he yeah yeah he can he he, he said that uh, you can play with your fingers but <laughs> you have to um, have uh, steel fingers or yeah, something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make the yeah. same sound almost yeah 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 okay. because of the sound yeah and mr Martin knows what he wants in the in the lord of music with Heesey firmly in the band, now came the recording of the album. But this wouldn't be a normal Lordy album. It would be the culmination of years of musical evolution up to this point. And the reason why it wasn't normal as well is that Collection was a fictional compilation album, a record which proposed the idea of what if Lordy had been around since the 1970s and the music had evolved through most of the metal and rock trends of the preceding decades up to the modern age. For this was already there for sexism, and uh, and uh, with sexism it was it was uh, I already had most of the songs written, if not all, even. But uh, I was stupid. I I, I I I thought it the wrong. I was thinking about it the wrong way. So I was I thought that okay, well, let's do this. Um, that, that 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 this whole sexism would be that there would be this like a uh, subtitle that says um, mm, uh, documented phenomenons or documented cases or something like that. that sexism documented uh, phenomenon cases or whatever you know. And all these little stories of sexism happening all around the world in different places right. with demons and lordy monsters and shit like that. So that would have been the the concept of the album of sexism that that they would be uh, well from you know and they from different times and then they would also sound different you know and and that was the idea and, and I thought that well I just select let's say let's say uh, the beast is yet to not uh, the beast is yet to come and that that song we would make it that it's done in 1979 and then 
I realized that it's not going to work like that. A song like The Beast is Yet to Come cannot be done in in the 70s or even in the 80s. That kind of a song could not have been written in that time. Even if it would have the 70s sound, it would not sound like a 70s song because the writing is completely different. There are a lot of ideas and a lot of things and a lot of uh, patterns uh, uh, that are in the song that were not invented yet. Nobody was doing that at the time. So that would mean that it wouldn't sound authentic. It wouldn't sound real. So yeah. I called Miko, Miko Karmela, the producer of Sexism. I said, well, you know, let's just do um, with the normal metal sound this album because this is not going to work. And he said, fine, sure, all right, okay, okay. And I, I remember when I had that call because it, it, it was something that I, uh, I mean, I mean the record, I mean the 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 the, 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 the starting date for the for the studio was already there. It, it, so it was like pretty close to the starting of the, the beginning of the recordings of Sexism already when I decided to pull the handbrake. Like, eh, no, 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 okay. no. Let's say, I'm going to save this for the 10th album, you know, yeah. because we need more time. And I remember we, we spoke with Miko about this whole idea, even after Sexism was done, we talked about it, that, that, that could we do the whole album like this, that every single song would sound different. And, you know, and he said, sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he could have done it on, you know, on his own. But here's the thing: I had to make sure that this works. So I had to, you know, uh, uh, be sure about every single angle and, and corner of this thing. I had to know. I had to make it sure. So it means that even though Miko, for example, is a great fucking producer and very, you know well-known and, and very respected and, and a high, as high, high pro- professional as there is, as they come. But still, he has his mannerisms. He has his manners that he does when he's producing a band, when he's, when he's recording and when he's mixing. He has these things that he thinks, you know, are the best. That, that makes it the Mikko Carmilla sound. Yeah. And I thought that, okay, if the same guy... It, it could have been other other guy too than Miko Carmela. It could have been somebody else too. But if the same guy is trying to do <clears throat> ten different sounds, it bound it, it is bound to have some mannerisms from the engineer, the mix mixer, the the the, 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 the producer. It's gonna have some something. It's gonna have something that he he makes a decision. Uh, over the concept, you know, that, that is like, well, I don't like the snare sound sounding like this, so I'm just going to make it like this, yeah. you know, which means that it's, it's closer to the sound that he usually does. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. You can talk about the snare sound or a bass, bass sound or, a, or, a, or an overall mixing of the song, you know, you will, of course, you will do whatever you need to do to make it sound good to you, right? right? And whenever you are hiring somebody, you are you are uh, you are um, taking somebody in your team, so to speak. Whether it's a guy who's mixing it, or or, or, or recording it, or engineering it, or, or producing it, or or mastering it, you are buying not only the work, but you are buying their vision also and their sound. So I thought that okay, we need different guys.
guys. We need different guys mixing every song and different guys recording every song. And I'm going to produce this album because otherwise this is not going to this this is going to fall apart. You know, yeah. because this is the, the, otherwise they will have some similarities in the sounds. No matter what we're gonna do, it's they they're gonna have that, you know. Yeah. And I I believe, of course, we don't have any comparison at the moment. We don't because we didn't do it like that. We didn't do it with the one person. But but I'm I believe that I was right. With Mr. Lordy's decision being to produce the album himself, the band travel around Finland to different studios to ensure that each song on collection had that distinctive sound that it required. From my point of view, it was a little bit weird like it it felt so messy because you you were so used to always doing it the way that you get yourself into this like studio mode okay these are the two weeks we have the recording so you kind of the whole rest of the world stops running and you get yourself into that little studio bubble and then you stay there and that's that's where you concentrate and you you see the album as a big picture there all the time because when you're recording everything you listen through the whole thing the 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 concept is is a package right uh, in a in a normal situation but now that it was like like split even like um the idea was split but also the the the, like the physical being in the studio time was split there was sometimes even a month in between different sessions and then pieces there and there recorded separately somewhere where i wasn't even there and and so it felt like what the heck is going on and like i personally lost the big picture on the way right. that i was like at some point like i have no idea what's going on with this album like like <laughs> what is it gonna be like and then it was very not a surprise but very um exciting and very um like the first time i got to hear the full package then when it was ready because like along the way you maybe heard some you know mixing versions there and there and whatever but you 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 didn't form in your head like the 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 album Hella's experience wasn't unique to her as other members in the band felt the same and the level of work involved in the record was also immense too and especially in terms of logistics as Mana says here it was like the whole whole summer of 2019 we did it it was a it was a huge work and at some points there were like moments that like fuck this is it's never gonna end just because we had to to make the songs in different studios i had to arrange different drum kits different drum schemes and whatever and it was all over Finland. So logistic-wise, it was a huge fucking challenge and a hassle. And it was nerve-wrecking. <laughs> so it, it wasn't fun all the time. Okay. But I think the result is, is it's a really good album. Yeah, it's it very, worth, very unique. Worth of all the hassle. Yeah. yeah. 
And one thing, because I was so surprised when I'd first heard it, because I got a, I got the press press release copy of it when it was coming out, and um, I was astounded at how you guys were actually able to capture the different sounds, and especially when you look at like blow my fuse, like blow my fuse on Bimbo, I was just amazed of the sound of them, because they literally were just like a time capsule. Um, of different eras so that must have been extremely difficult to try and get that yeah well so it's, it's always about the, uh, about the people who you work with if you find the right people like we did with the 70s songs it was uh, of course it was in Tampere which is the best city in Finland yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a studio called JJ Studio and it has been the same place from 1981. It's basically every Finnish, legendary Finnish rock, old school rock bands is there. Okay. Legendary albums there. Right. And I have known the studio guy many years. Okay. So it was it was my idea to go there. And it's all analog studio. There's no computers. The guy didn't even have a cellular phone until like five years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't use any emails or whatever. He doesn't know how to operate a computer. So, okay. so it's like really, really old school. <laughs> and when we started to talk about the sound that we want, he was like immediately like knew what he had to do. Right. And he had the mics, and I had a, a Ludwig drum kit from the 70s, it was like 74 or 5, something like that. So the sound was immediately, immediately like spot on. Okay. It was there. Nice. We didn't have to work a lot, so it's always like you have to find the right people. Who knows what they're doing? Yeah. That, that, that made it happen. With collection containing an eclectic mix of rock and metal genres, the band would clearly take influence from some of their idols. And one of Eamon's idols, Jean Beauvoir, actually came to Finland and wrote an original song titled Scream Demon with Eamon and Mr. Lordy. There was this one guy who told me <laughs> back in the days, why don't you ever work with John Belvoir? I don't know how to say John Belvoir, but to me it's John Belvoir, but, you know. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, how, how, come on. How, 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 come on, how? And it was like, yeah, you just, I can connect you guys. And I'm like, yeah, you know him? Yeah, I know him. So long, 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 long story short. And then I was in touch with him, uh, with John, like, it was like five, six, seven years ago. And I, I still have all the emails with me and I wrote him an email and, hey, it's me from Finland. We did this and that and come on, I know this guy is your friend and, and he gave me your email address and, I don't know, but maybe you want to uh, hook up and maybe someday we can write something together. I don't know, or let's just have a beer. Or It took like, a, 
almost like a, I don't know eight months or ten months or something. I didn't hear anything, and then some suddenly, boom! Hey, <laughs> And it was he's he's the guy. I can write a book about him. He he's like wow. So it was he's like Miami guy full of energy and it was like awesome it's so so he was like really into it and then we made a, a phone call a meeting and I was really nervous because John Belvoir and Paul Stanley wrote probably the most meaningful song ever on this planet for me Trillis in the night and I was like, am I really going to have a phone call with John Beavour? And yeah, I remember I was so fucking nervous and sweating. My armpits were so sweaty and my back was sweating and all I was just sweating. So something he said during that phone call about Paul. Yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a call. I have, I have a Paul, Paul song, Paul song. Maybe, maybe that's good for you guys. And I'm like, mm, I don't know what you. Uh, maybe, yeah, Paul, Paul, who? Yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul. Come on, yeah, yeah. And it's like this, you know, Americans. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And then I uh, hang up and uh, I called Mr. Laurie and something like this happened. And I never said anything about the Paul. Jean Beauvoir would write Scream Demon and six yet-to-be-released songs with Eamon and Mr. Lordy, one of which you'll hear on Lord Adversity, which is the title track of Humanimals. However, that song that Eamon was just referring to was like a bee to the honey, a song which Jean and Paul Stanley of Kiss co-wrote but never released. And Lordy, after being offered this opportunity, took it and ran with it, and after nearly 30 years of existing as a concept and being directly influenced by them, Lordy would record an unreleased song that wouldn't be out of place on any KISS record. Eamon and Jean were friends on email or whatever, yeah. maybe on social media or something like that, because, because Eamon is a huge fan of Jean. Mm. And then they've been talking over the years that they should meet and maybe they should even write together and then Jean uh, you know wrote to Eamon that uh, he's coming to Finland for Kiss Expo uh, that that maybe we should hook up uh, you know and Eamon said yeah and Eamon called me that hey do you want to join us and I said fuck yeah I'm going to go to the Kiss Expo anyway it's yeah. a Kiss Expo for God's sakes you know yeah. so eventually it turns out you know, I go to the Kiss Expo but Eamon doesn't actually <laughs> funnily enough so I meet John there, uh, and the next day, next day uh, after the Kiss Expo, we go to a rehearsal loft. And um, of course, before this already happened, I was already in contact with John too. That okay, we're gonna write some songs and blah 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 blah, blah all that. Stuff. And I told him what we're about to do, what kind of an album we're doing, what what's the concept. And when he came. Uh, and we went, and we went, when we were driving to a rehearsal, and uh, he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I know what what kind of songs we're about to, you know, 
go right, but how about not only if we're going to use uh, something that, that not, not only if we're going to try to write and recreate something that is from the 80s, how about if you guys would actually use something that is actually really from the 80s? And that's how it started. And then he played us the, the recording of uh, like a beat to the honey. Nice. with him and Paul you know and and okay and we were like okay is this song actually well, really and um, you know and for you know Kiss fans it's <laughs> to hear a song that nobody else has heard before yeah. like what and then to be offered with that song and is Paul okay with that and Paul is fine with that and I met Paul actually twice three times after that and um, you know we were talking about the song with Paul briefly but anyways and yay yay and you know so uh yeah so i mean so 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 my that was my first contact with jean bavar right there okay. and ever since i mean i mean i mean we became like we we really clicked you know already then and we've been in contact like well weekly you know with him right you know uh i think i just got a text message from him last night the only problem of course is the time difference you know yeah uh, yeah I'm in fucking Finland. He's in Miami, mm. or at least in Florida. So uh, uh, whenever we try to call each other or text each other, the other one is most likely asleep, yeah. you know, and <laughs> or, or something time. else. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the that's the you know that's the thing. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a fucking great guy. So we 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 really became friends really quickly with him because i mean we have some there's something similar with our you know wavelengths there's yeah. something very similar and and, okay. and and we definitely think about we definitely think alike on what's what, what's a good melody and what sounds i mean come on i mean if you think about closing a circle he's the guy who wrote uh, thrills in the night with Paul. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that is the song. Thrills in the night is actually "Would You Love a Monster Man." You know, that is the song I was playing. Thrills in the night, and I'm jamming that, and I was trying. Uh, I started changing that until it became "Would You Love a Monster Man." Right. So, okay. without thrills in the night, there wouldn't be "Would You Love a Monster Man." That's right. the thing. Of course, traditionally, with every Lordy album, there has to be an SCG track, but this time around. They were numerous, and they proved pivotal to the structure of the record. To begin, Collection starts with a radio jingle, which actually features impersonations of legendary rock and metal icons like King Diamond, Ozzy Osbourne, Kronos of Venom, etc., all singing lordy songs, but in their own styles. And these impersonations are actually performed by Carrie Kilgast. Collection's concept was elaborate and creative, and piecing all of these songs together from different eras in a fictional compilation album could become tricky without an interconnecting thread tying it all together. That needle and thread came in the form of Ralph Ruiz, this time performing as Rockin' Ruiz, a radio host playing these tracks from Collection on his radio show. Of the Monster Squad catalog. The rumored lost recordings from the album that never was. 
I know a lot uh, of us have the third and fourth generation. Tracy and Mr. Lordy, we were sitting in Tracy's studio coming up with ideas on, you know, what to say. And once again, this was all broken up. Um, so, of course, it was going to be SCG-10. So we kind of went with the um, the radio jingles that you would hear. You're listening to Radio SCG-10. Rock. So we went for that. And my whole idea for the DJ Ruiz character, you know, wanted to try to sound him kind of a little crazy and a little um, over the top. So I took the idea... There used to be a radio DJ who was famous in the 70s and early 80s in the United States. His name was Wolfman Jack. And his was, hey, everybody, this is Wolfman Jack. Oh, yeah, and we're going to come to you, and I'm going to play you this song, baby. You know, he did stuff like that. So that was my idea of kind of going with that. But also, um, the I think it was 1986... Or 1987, uh, the movie Trick or Treat, which was uh, had Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons was in it as a radio DJ. So mm-hmm. I used his character um, with the he had like a big you know hat, like a cowboy hat kind of deal. So that was my idea of using my hat, which I've used for in quite a few. Um, Things. It's a black hat with a, a motorhead lapel pin and a skull um, keychain around it. So that was my look. And that's where I based the Mad Rager DJ Rock and Ruiz. Was going to be this guy. Oh, yeah, this is the Mad Rager Rock and Ruiz. So that's where that came from. On the 31st of January 2020, with collection now fully pieced together, the album released. And with every Lordy album, much like all bands, they went on their European Collect Tour. But that didn't quite go to plan. Like everybody's plans for 2020, they were halted by the coronavirus pandemic. And Lordy then were forced to cut their tour short. And they returned to Finland where they quarantined. But Lordy didn't relax much during this time as they took part in this documentary series. They hosted a live streaming event called the Scream Stream, which was painstakingly put together and was highly detailed and highly entertaining for fans. But also, a new Lordy record would soon be underway. A follow-up in some ways to collection, but much more expansive Lord Diversity would of course be that insane follow-up seven albums covering seven different rock and metal genres all releasing as one kick-ass package on November 26th that's this Friday but that doesn't mean that this podcast ends instead We've got seven exclusive interviews releasing daily all next week, starting Monday the 29th. And we'll talk to Tracy Lip, Yane Halmkrona, Ralph Ruiz, Mana, Hela, Hisi, and of course, Mr. Lordy for three and a half hours. That is all about this, and it's all raw, and it's all exclusive to you. So enjoy the Lordiversity this Friday, and I'll... 
See you next week as we dive into the diversity of lore. Diversity. Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story, is a True Metal Podcast production. The show is presented, produced and written by Matthew Kessie. Head to True Metal Pod's social channels to keep up to date with the production. <laughs>